The following program discusses medical information that is general in nature and not intended to serve as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues you may be experiencing. Welcome to episode number three of Nice Living with Dr. Cameron. I'm your co-host, Amy Bowen, and while this podcast is dedicated to shedding light on many health and wellness-related topics, our show's namesake and host, Dr. Cameron Godarzy of Scarless Vein Care, is one of the top experts in the nation when it comes to the treatment of varicose veins and spider veins. In these initial episodes, we're leveraging his expertise and digging a bit deeper into various aspects of the world of vein disease. In part one of our series on vein disease, Dr. Cameron gives an overview of the vascular system's form and function and discusses how risk factors such as genetics, lifestyle, maybe even your profession, can influence your chance of developing varicose veins, spider veins, and vein disease. So be sure to give that episode a listen if you missed it. Today in part two, we're taking a closer look at the symptoms of vein disease and when it could be time to seek help from a physician. So let's dive right in. Welcome, Dr. Cameron. Uh, Thanks, Amy. So you've specialized in the treatment of venous disease for years. And as we've talked about before, we're really finding out that more people are affected by this condition than many realize. Well, uh, venous insufficiency, I read somewhere a while back, and I think most people agree, is one of the most underdiagnosed or undiagnosed condition uh, seems to be uh, in the world. In that, uh, again, most people think it's trivial and they don't, necessarily pay attention to it. I started that way. You know, I was, uh, all the years of training I've had, I was always told venous disease is more cosmetic. Uh, if they bleed or cause any issues, then of course you treat it, but otherwise you can leave it alone. Now, having said that, it was because there wasn't much we could do for veins. The only thing we could do is just do venous stripping, which never cured anything. Now that we have become much better at treating venous insufficiency, we identify all the bad veins and destroy them and leave the good veins behind. We find out that patients do get better. A lot of their symptoms get better. So if the symptoms get better, then it must have been related to the veins. So outside of maybe having varicose veins or spider veins, how would someone know if they have an issue? You know, from your experience and knowledge of this condition, what are some of those symptoms someone might be experiencing if they have vein disease or venous insufficiency? Symptoms which are very commonly missed, number one to me is is, uh, cramps or charley horses, people call it. Patients say that they get cramps or charley horse in the legs, sometimes in the foot, usually in the calf, at night. Uh, as the disease progresses, it gets more and more uh, severe to the point that they have to get up and walk. I mean, that's classic. When they say, I have to get up and walk, I know it's got to be venous disease because the minute you walk, the calf muscles pump the blood out and makes them feel better. So uh, it's not because of dehydration. I mean, dehydration can cause it, but you, know, you have to be severely dehydrated to get it. It's not your magnesium or potassium. They can cause it, but if you have bad veins and you're getting cramps, I would say the most likely thing is probably coming from your veins. So cramps are right on top of the list. Swelling happens quite early on. Uh, I have you know, since sufficiency. I remember the first time I got up in the Charlotte airport that come from, I think it was California or something, and my f- legs were so swollen, and I thought, my God, I hope I don't have any clots in my legs. And then as soon as I got to the office, they did an ultrasound, found that, that very bad veins. So uh, swelling around the ankles, particularly if you're in a plane, we talked about uh, the negative pressure in an aeroplane. And sometimes patients say, Doc, I, I don't have any swelling. Then I ask them if you've been on a long flight, what happens? Oh, yeah, my ankle swells up. That suggests you probably have venous insufficiency. 
Some people don't even see the swelling because it's so gradual. You know, if you're wearing socks or a stocking, you find that they put a big mark on it. That's probably what it is. If your feet, you find that your feet are growing. It's not your feet are growing. You're getting chronic swelling in the leg. And it gets to a point you go from a size, let's say 10 to size, you know, 12 or 13. You know, your feet don't, don't grow anymore after you're like, you know, 17, 18 or even younger. So if you are wearing a large, much larger shoe or larger boot now, the chances are you've got, you've got swelling. And if, especially if you're relatively young, 40, 50 years old, it's not because of heart failure, kidney failure, most likely it's related to your veins. Because as you said, Amy, it is a very common condition. So swelling would definitely be one of them. A restless leg, uh, we used to think that restless leg was all this uh, condition that there wasn't much you could do. I've had patients come in up to two, three medications, uh, medications for life. About uh, people are usually an anti-seizure medicine just for the you know restless leg in the legs and treated almost as a neurological condition. Exa- right? Exactly, absolutely, and uh, and then once we treat the venous disease, not because I was thinking about treating the restless leg, but trying the venous disease, they come to the doc. You know, my restless leg is better, and a lot of them actually literally came out of their medication. So I've definitely seen that. Uh, happen. Some people don't fully understand what restless leg is. Uh, I think what patients at least tell me is that either the husband or the wife says, uh, you know, my, my wife or husband is, is running the marathon every night. They're, you know, wiggling all the time, moving all the time. Can't keep it still. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe they get cramps and they don't know it and they're wiggling to get it, to get it going. But restless leg, uh, common. So, um, I think the, the major ones are cramps, swelling, uh, the more vague one is achy, heavy, tired feeling at the end of the day. I remember, I mean, everybody gets heavy, achy, tired feeling at the end of the day. And they blame it on age. They blame it on arthritis. They blame it on the floor. I say, oh, it's concrete floor. Well, if, if, you know, if it was a gold floor or it was any other floor, it would still cause it. Uh, so usually that is... Uh, caused by venous insufficiency. So, what about visual signs? Are there things a patient might notice, or that maybe you look for in particular when making a diagnosis? Uh, I'm really glad you you asked me that because, again, having treated venous disease for so many years, uh, probably 30 years now, if not longer, um, and past 17 years, spending so much time seeing these patients, it's getting to a point. As soon as they show me their legs, you can pretty much tell if they have venous disease or not, because the signs are quite obvious usually. So if you've got a leg, again, the blood is not getting out of it. So what do you expect to see? You expect to see congestion. They're almost bluish discoloration. And there's swelling, of course. And then because the red blood cells are sitting in the in these veins in the leg and just cannot get back to the heart because of the amount of pressure, which is in one study I read, it was 300 millimeters of mercury, which is almost three times as much you would get from a from an artery. Uh, when there's that much pressure exerted on a vein, some of the red cells kind of ooze out of the vein uh, around the ankle. Remember, the the pressure is the highest at the ankle because that's the lowest lowest point. And of course, there are some feeders there. We call them perforators, but there is there's a lot of pressure there. So when these vein these red cells get out of the vein, uh, it's like a fish jumping out of out of water on land. Uh, you can't survive. You know, you're going to die. So the red cells die. And when the red cells die, they, they break down. And what gives the color of the red blood cells is iron. So you get a lot of iron deposit in your legs. So these patients usually have what we call hyperpigmentation. Hyper means, you know, more 
pigment. So you look at the leg, it's almost a dusky, dark discoloration. And some of the people with very severe venous insufficiency, their skin almost looks black. It approaches black. And because of the amount of congestion for a long period of time having gone untreated, you find that the texture of the skin changes. So the skin is not as pliable. It is almost like a leather feeling. Uh, in fact, the term for that is lipodermosclerosis, which lipo is fat, dermo is skin, and sclerosis is scarring. In other words, you get the scarring of the, the skin and then the lying fat. So uh, in some of these patients, they look at uh, their leg in very severe case of lipodermosclerosis, you can almost look like an upside-down champagne bottle because the ankles are really pulled in and the top part is, is dilated. And uh, that is actually a very unique situation in that the thing is related to inflammation. Inflammation is like an infection minus the bacteria. For some unknown reason, the body doesn't like it, uh, that all these red cells are coming out and sitting in the tissue, tries to wall it off, so you get a lot of scar tissue. So you get this leathery feeling to the skin, the texture of the skin changes. And then as the disease progresses, you can actually get some itching and rash and uh, like a scaly skin, almost like eczema. But it's always on the, pretty much always, not always, on the inside of the ankle, not on the outside. Uh, so when you get that, you get this, some people don't even see it, they just get the, you know, this, this they have to scratch their legs because it itches, or uh, it gets a little red. Uh, so they think it's an inflammation. So, you know, I had a patient who actually thought he was he had walked with his dog into a poison IV, but that was two years ago. And he still kept on taking steroids and said that clears it up. And that had nothing to do with it. The rash and the itching was related to vein. So it's called venous, venous meaning vein related, venous dermatitis, which means inflammation of the skin secondary to vein. And of course, the next thing is, is ulceration. Usually they'll get ulcers next, either because you scratch it and skin breaks down or it's about to turn into an ulcer. So when the skin breaks down, they get an ulcer. Now you've got quite severe disease, and then you have to try to heal the ulcer before you can even take care of the veins. So venous ulcer, because it is ulcer caused by veins, is you know one of the signs that you know we look for, and especially on the inside of the leg, that's probably where it's coming from. And the funny thing is, you treat the vein, and the ulcer goes goes away. Uh, one of the papers we published, I think, it was 2013, was uh, was a lady who had a ulcer on, on her leg, and I treated it, and the ulcer healed. So I think I was one of the earliest reported cases of venous ulceration, which was treated just by, you know, laser and, and, and the patient uh, healed up. So venous ulceration happens. Other things you look for is uh, you find that uh, varicose veins. If you have varicose veins, the odds are you have venous insufficiency. Just because you see a vein, why is the vein so dilated if, if the vein is emptying properly? There is something, problem somewhere. So if you have varicose veins, the chances are you have venous insufficiency. And sometimes even if you have a spiders, those spiders tend into what I call blebs. They're almost, uh, you know, uh, like a little aneurysm, like little balloons sticking out of your veins. And they can rupture. And when they rupture, they got quite significant bleeding. And that, again, is related to venous insufficiency. Now, there are patients who look at their legs, they don't even know they have venous insufficiency because I compare it to the tip of the iceberg, right? Uh, the Titanic, there was somebody sitting on top of the Titanic looking for iceberg. And if they didn't see it, they didn't exist. They didn't know there was a lot of, you know, uh, of the iceberg was under the water. So when this patient come and see us, they don't see many veins. As soon as we put an ultrasound on their leg, it's like looking under the water. You see there's a lot of 
very large disease veins, which are actually causing the patient's symptoms. So um, the ultrasound for us is like a stethoscope. As soon as we see somebody with uh, something which resembles venous insufficiency, we look with an ultrasound to see if there is indeed uh, any issues underneath, and you can see those large disease dilated veins. I remember reading something about a symptom that involves hair loss, which could be welcomed by some folks, but maybe not so much others. Could you explain the connection between this? We are thought in medical school also uh, when we are doing our residency program that if uh, if there is problem with the arteries, that's how the blood gets to the leg, of course, that they have hair loss. But we never thought it would get hair loss if there was venous disease. In other words, if the blood can't get out. Now we talked about it during the last episode that it is venous congestion, that if the traffic is not getting out, then there is poor circulation. So uh, so why wouldn't you have hair loss if you have venous disease? Not many people have thought about it until one of my patients, and then more and more patients over the past 18 years, they started mentioning that, uh, Doc, you know, uh, thanks for taking care of my legs. It feels great. It looks great. But now I have to shave two, three times a week. So... Uh, I realized it wasn't a coincidence that it's probably related. Then one gets more and more um, observant. And I noticed people with venous insufficiency do have uh, some degree of hair loss. So um, you're absolutely right. Venous uh, insufficiency, if you've got hair loss for no real reason, it's quite possible you have venous insufficiency. Okay, so clearly there are a lot of indicators that could potentially signal someone has vein disease. Are there times when some of these symptoms could be a little bit more noticeable or bothersome? Absolutely. Uh, so if, again, if, you know, job related, if you're sitting, sitting around for a long time, or, you know, standing in the same uh, position, um, that really indicates it. Today, I actually had a patient who's very young, healthy young lady. She's a police officer. Uh, she says, you know, she, they have to sit in the car for long periods of time. And their legs just get so achy at the end of the day. And uh, she had no idea she had venous insufficiency. Of course, it was pretty advanced by the time I saw her. So is, there is this, you know, young lady, very healthy otherwise. You know, look at their legs again. They look a lot older than she is, which it looks as though they, the legs look older than than the patient. And that's usually a sign that there's there's something going on. Okay, Dr. Cameron. So you yourself, you know, you're a tall man. You're a surgeon. You're on your feet a lot. And in our last episode, we learned that these are actually two pretty big risk factors when it comes to developing vein disease. And you mentioned earlier you have venous insufficiency and mentioning some of the symptoms related to swelling after long flights and things like that. So I'm curious, are there any other symptoms we've talked about today that you've experienced as well? Roughly about a month and a half ago, I have uh, noticed that I was having some pain on the outside of my ankle. And of course, being a physician, I was thinking about all the worst things. Then I said, it's probably because of, you know, I'm spraining my ankle, so try to put a splint on it didn't make any difference. And um, one day I was in the office and I decided to look with the ultrasound just to see if there was any problem with the ligaments that I could see. And long behold, there was a vein which had actually ruptured through the uh, the fascia, the lining. And that was what was what was hurting. So I got a... So a the doctor becomes the patient at that time. Uh, that's right. I, but, but you learn, you know, I... And now, honestly, I wear these compression socks, and I've noticed as long as I've, I have them on, I don't, ha I don't hurt. So I was telling my wife, who's a nurse, and say, look, how often somebody comes in and says, my ankle hurts. The last thing you think about is veins. Oh, it's probably a sprain. It's probably 
uh, I don't know, uh, gout is probably, uh, you know, you think about everything except veins. And in, in medicine, when you go, uh, when you're not looking for the right things, you're not going to find it. When the last thing which crosses your mind is veins. So now I've just learned something new. Next time somebody comes in and says, my leg hurts, I'll probably look at an ultrasound and see if there's a vein there pushing through. Um, in fact, now I've actually literally, now I can see the vein coming through because there's a dark spot there. And uh, maybe I just won't have my leg treated so I find out all the things which happen. <laughs> what else can go <laughs> wrong? Know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so do doctors, yeah, they're the worst patients, I tell you that. And, uh, so I, I really got to get somebody to take care of my veins because that's uh, really, it is, it is getting from bad to worse. Well, I suppose then at that point, you'll have the full range of uh, ability to better relate to your patients and what they experience from symptoms to even treatment and all that good stuff. Let's go back to those compression socks you're wearing and that temporary relief you're getting. Is that something you find most patients experience? And would you even consider that somewhat of a symptom, you know, the relief aspect or maybe even a diagnostic tool when it comes to pinpointing the presence of vein disease? It's very interesting that you ask that because around 2002-2003, vein insurance companies were trying to approve whether they should pay for your treatment or not. Their decision was if you wear the stocking and it doesn't help, then we allow you to have your veins treated. Well, if they wear the stocking, it doesn't help. Maybe there's something else wrong because stockings really push those veins in and always expect to see some improvement. So uh, sometimes you have a patient who says, I'm, I'm just fine. They just, I don't see much of a symptom, uh, but I do have these bad varicose veins. You put them in the stocking, they come back and say, you know what? I had no idea how my leg were my legs were hurting and I didn't even notice. Uh, now when I wear my stocking at the end of the day, my legs feel like they did first thing in the morning. I have more energy. I can walk more. I can do more. I thought I was getting old and I realized, no, it was just my veins. So call it both diagnostic and therapeutic. So it's diagnostic because when you put the stockings on and your leg feels better, uh, it's probably venous related. And uh, it's therapeutic because it also, you know, helps relieve the pain and the discomfort and slows down the disease. Then it gets to a point where, okay, you know, I'm tired of wearing the stocking or I, you know, want something done, then of course you can have it. So it's definitely, if you wear a stocking, it gets better. So medicine is a, is a I, I would call it a series of probabilities, right? So when you complain, like I was complaining about ankle pain, it could have been all the way from cancer of the bone to, you know, neuroma, nerve tumor, to a sprain, to anything. But once I put the stocking on, it went away. That immediately rules out uh, a lot of other things. Because if I had arthritis, it wouldn't get better. If it was arterial disease, it would make it worse. If it was gout, it wouldn't help at all. In fact, probably make it worse. The only thing that it would help if you wear this stocking would be venous disease. So it's really, if in doubt, just get a compression stock and put it on. You feel better. That's probably what it is. Uh, just briefly, we're asking a few other questions. What are the other things you look for? Where, you know, thickening up the skin. I've had people who thought they had psoriasis. Uh, it turned out to be dermatitis, secondary to venous disease. I had a lady who thought she had a scleroderma. Come to find out this is what we call lipodermosclerosis, which is where they get the thickening of the skin with, with, with vein disease. So there's a lot of information to digest here and really a lot of potential symptoms to look out for. At what point should someone actually consider seeking treatment? Is it as soon as they notice any potential mild symptoms or maybe a combination of symptoms? That's a very, very, very good question. So we all have different pain thresholds. So obviously some of us don't even feel the pain until the pains are almost 
you know, so big they rupture or they bleed or they clot and other patients seek help very early on. And of course, if you're aware of the disease, you probably, as soon as you see the sign of it, you know, try to have it taken care of. Um, right now, there is no really consensus when you should seek help. For example, one study I read in Holland, uh, the majority of people from a very early age, uh, when in their teenage years, and I believe they have socialized medicine, they uh, seek help. So the question is, do you treat all these patients, everybody? It's a very common disease. Can you imagine you could bankrupt the, you know, the health system just by uh, if there's 30, 40% of people have suffered from this disease? So when do you treat? And that's, that's a very good question. And that's, there's a lot of factors associated with that, you know, the severity of disease, how bad it is, how much of it is cosmetic, how much of it. So what is the right answer? So all I could tell you is what I would do if, uh, to my children and for myself. If, if I see signs that suggest venous insufficiency, I seek help. I've never been hurt by too much diagnosis. You know, let somebody check it. And, you know, we usually do an ultrasound. There's no radiation. There's nothing involved. Most vein centers, most doctors who deal with veins offer a free consultation anyway. And, uh, you know, at least let them look at your leg and see what you've got. Now, uh, the degree of disease uh, depends on the experience of the doctor. You know, I've done God knows how many thousand cases, and I've been doing it for 18 years, just doing lasers, and I've been in, you know, finished medical school in 78. So I've seen a lot of, um, you know, venous disease in my lifetime. So when I look at it, I try to compare to the worst case I had and the, and the best case I had, and I've also seen how they progress. You get a, you get a feel of it. Um, is I compared it uh, the other day to cooking, right? You sometimes you just have to know how much salt to put in, or when the color of the you know the dish is, is good enough that it's, it's cooked. So experience really does matter in treating venous disease, and you've got to remove your 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 bias away from it in that does this patient if it was me would i need treatment right now or could we just sit back a little bit and see how it progresses so we know people have varicose veins in their 80s and they say oh god this i've had it all my life it really didn't get that much bigger yet we have 28 year old either 28 year old with an ulcer on his leg and his disease was obviously very progressive so who gets a treatment hard to tell so what would i do if you think that you have venous insufficiency or this family history, get yourself checked. I mean, it might not even cost you anything, but it's a free consultation. And the very least, put yourself into a stocking and start doing exercise and weight loss. They say an ounce of prevention is better than a ton of cure. So at least it puts you on the right track. And then, of course, the risk of clots, which we haven't talked about, you know, when you've got venous insufficiency, when you have bad veins, you're more risk of getting clots in those veins, that those clots can eventually end up getting into your lungs and potentially kill somebody. So you could even be saving your life by getting it checked. So get it checked. And then ask your doctor whoever seeing you what is their opinion is, and even get a second opinion, get a third opinion. Just like buying a car or a house or whatever, right? They get everyone's opinion and then decide, you know, is this, you know, works well for you? And then, of course, you know, the, the financial issues, how much time off, well, if any, you know, does insurance pay for it, does it not pay for it? So then other factors come into play. So there is what we call a SEEP classification. This is different degrees of venous disease. So when you just have a few spiders, it's like a C1. When you've got a rash on your ankle, it's already about C4. And C5 is when you get an ulcer. If you get an ulcer, you waited too long. If you get a rash, you really need to seek help. If you get a cut on your 
ankle or your leg is not healing well, or you had a biopsy is not healing well, you really need to have that uh, treated. You have already waited too long. If a vein bleeds, don't wait till it bleeds again because I guarantee you it's going to bleed again. So get that taken care of. I had a patient who is a forester and she was also a blood thinner and she had horrible veins. She used to wrap her leg up with cloth every time she went in the forest. Now imagine if that vein had cut, was cut and she was on blood thinner, you would bleed you to death before somebody could find you. So, uh, you know, we treated it on semi-emergency. So, you know, talk to to your you know physician, somebody who's got experience, you know, I uh, think to, to give you a guidance and then even then get a second opinion, a third opinion before you have anything done. And that, Dr. Cameron, is an excellent point that I'd love to talk with you more about in our next episode. What should patients be looking for when choosing a physician to diagnose and treat vein disease and then what could treatment and recovery time look like as well? Uh, absolutely. I can't wait until we get to the next episode when we can uh, talk about this uh, very important topic and uh, common condition in much more detail. This is the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We invite you to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform. You can find us on Apple and Google Podcast, Spotify, and many others as well. Head to scarlessveincare.com forward slash podcast to view the notes for this episode. You can find links to topics we've discussed and even recommend topics for upcoming shows and take a listen to some of our previous episodes. Again, these initial episodes are focused on vein disease, but we're soon going to be covering all sorts of topics ranging from dermatology to cosmetic surgery and so much more. So if you want us to tackle a specific medical or health-related topic, send it on in. Until next time, I'm Amy Bowen. I'm Dr. Cabrera. And we wish you the best of health, happiness, and nice living in the meantime.